Grab a seat. Open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. This is one of the most famous chapters of all of Scripture. Let me throw a word at you. Faith-filled risk. When you watch an adventure movie, do you like celebrating the person jumping out the plane? Do you want to be the person jumping out the plane? Or do you get so filled with anxiety that you feel like you have to turn it off? Think about that in your life. When you are put in a place of risk, how do you respond? Do you lean into it? Or do you walk away? This morning what we are going to discuss is our seven core value. Faith-filled risk. That the way that we achieve God's purposes is through living lives that are filled with faith-filled risks. Did you hear that? The way that you or I achieve God's good and perfect and pleasing will, why He created each one of us, is our willingness, our opportunity, because He gives every single one of us the opportunity to step in something called faith-filled risk. Let me read to you the beginning of Hebrews chapter 11. It says here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 through, through 3, and then jumping down to verse 6, it says, Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. Right? Isn't that what faith is? Faith is the confidence that we truly believe that what is spoken of will come true. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. You see, that's where real faith is. It's not in what we see. It's in the unseen. It says this, that through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Now jump down with me to verse 6. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. I love that word sincerely. Not earnestly as some translations are, but sincerely seek Him. Faith. We like to say that, that what we do is based on our faith. That we trust God in, in doing something in faith, that without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? But let me take a step back first. Without faith, it's impossible to believe that there's a God. Do you know that? Do you know that when you have faith in God, it's not something that you have chosen to have, but a gift that God has given to you? 
Let me say that again. The faith that you have is not something that you have chosen to have. It's a gift that God has given to you. And you have the opportunity to open that gift or keep that gift wrapped. Every single one of us has this opportunity to be given faith to believe in Him and that everything that He wills and wants to and desire to accomplish is wrapped up in this one simple word called faith. I mean, think about this. When you look all throughout Scripture, because this is our mandate, when you, if, if we're here this morning, and we're saying, well, well, what's our mandate of faith? What gives us the strength to stand on? What is that, that rock, that foundation that, that allows us to believe in Jesus, allows us to move forward, allows us to, to literally do things that are outside of our human character? It's found in the Word of God. And when you thumb throughout Scripture, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. This is, this is a simple story that we all know really well. Whether you are churched, unchurched, never been to church, whatever it is, we see stories of people acting on their faith from the beginning to the end of Scripture that reveals how powerful and true God desires to be in our lives. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 45-47. through 47. It's a story of David and Goliath. We know the story that the army of, of the Israelites was, was being taunted by not an army bigger than themselves, not an army that was more powerful, but they had one giant, one standalone man that stood head and tails and tails above everyone else. And he was so intimidating that when the Israelites saw their army and that, their army and that army, that they were threatened not by the size of their army, but by this one individual. And the whole time they were being taunted. Goliath would tell how he was going to rip them apart. How he was going to steal them. The things, the people, even their God. He mocked and he taunted. And no one would fight the giant. Not the greatest warrior. Not the king. Not anyone and out of nowhere when there was this boy a young man a teenager who went to bring supplies to his brothers he saw the taunting that was going on and within him he welled up so much that his faith be his faith grew bigger than himself and he got angry and he got disturbed and he stepped away and, he, and almost I could see this picture of him looking into a valley and, and he looked at God's army and he saw this mass group of people and then he saw Goliath and his army. And all he saw was human strength. And his first thought was, is, why is no one challenging this individual? Why is no one stepping up to the plate and going to war for the people of God? What don't they believe? What don't they remember? What have they forgotten? And listen to the words of, of David. And David replied to the Philistines, 
You come to me with sword and spear and javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. The God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you. And I will kill you. And I will cut off your head. Isn't that awesome? Dude, that's totally like Braveheart. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues His people. But not with sword or spear. I'm not going to destroy you the way that you want to destroy me. This is the Lord's battle. And He will give it to us. And that little boy, that young teenager, went down to the brook and he grabbed a few pebbles, a few stones. He didn't want to wear the king's armor because it doesn't fit. It says that, that when David stepped into Saul's armor, that, that literally when you read the Hebrew translation, that he could turn his body around. That's how tiny Dave was compared to Saul. Okay? That's how tiny David was to Saul. And he went out there and he put one little stone in the sling and the sling went round and round. And in the name of the Lord's army, in the name of the God of the universe, in the name of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he let that stone go and he hit Goliath in the head. And Goliath went down. And David didn't stop there. Matter of fact, David went into like, like ninja mode. And he grabbed this massive sword. He actually grabbed Goliath's sword. Not his sword, because he didn't have one. And he took this monstrous sword, this nine-foot human being, matter of fact, how big that sword was, and he picked it up and he cut off the head of the giant. Just like he said. But think about the risk that David did. Think about the risks that David took. It was simply formed on his faith in the living God. It was simply taken knowing that everything that the people, that God had done for the people of Israel, he was going to do for David in that moment. And David in that moment did not take a faith filled risk for himself. He did it for God's glory and God's honor and God's praise and for God to sit on the throne, and that nothing would stand in the way of God's good purpose for the people of Israel. David didn't need to fight. He wasn't in the army. He was a shepherd boy. He hung out with sheep. And he played the harp. I don't know if I want one of my warriors to be hanging out with sheep and playing the harp. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But I'm telling you, I would rather have like a UFC fighter fight Goliath. But David, when no one was looking, God was preparing him. He fought the bear. He fought the lion. And when he saw this giant, he said, nothing will stand in the way of the things of God. Faith-filled risk. What keeps us from taking these faith-filled risks? What keeps us from, from the simple little faith-filled risks when we see people in our lives that are hurting and broken at work or in our neighborhood to just go up to them and just say, hey, I love you. I'm praying for you. Let's pray right now. Hey, you're hurting. Let me bring you a meal. 
Hey, you're out of work. Let me help find you a job. Hey, your marriage is broken. Why don't you and your husband come to our house and let's just sit down and talk? What keeps us from taking these faith-filled risks that are filled with God's presence? Lies. It's true. The lies of the enemy. You see, there's two things that keep us from taking faith-filled risks. Fear. And security. We are terrified. And we believe these lies that if I step out in faith, that that they're going to reject me. If I step out in faith, then, then God will not fully have my back. If I step out in faith that, that I'm being a little radical and, and I'll be misunderstood. If we step out in faith and God does something, then maybe God will have me do more. And that's what I hear in the suburban heart. That if I step out in faith, God might ask me to do more. Praise God. Awesome. Rock it like a rock star. If God is going to do something awesome and open the door and He shows up in your life and you're like, wow, I'm in awe. Just realize when He does it once, He's going to do it more. And more. And more. And that's all that happened with people like Moses. That when, God, when he trusted God to throw down his staff and it became a snake and he ate the two other snakes that were, that there, that were staffs, what did it show him? God's going to do more. If I speak a plague, a plague's coming. And it got him all the way to the point that when he got to the ocean, the waters, and he stuck up his staff, he had all these little moments of faith that God was going to show up. And I truly believe this, that one of the biggest lies and fears that we face today, this was totally not in my sermon, it's Joe Florio's fault, is that we literally, literally believe the lie that God will invite me to do more and I don't want to. Do you know that is the most redonkulous statement ever? That if God is going to do something awesome in your life, don't you believe that He's going to do more and more and more and more? Come on, God. Pump it. Pump it. Prime that pump. Prime that pump. I'm not happy with the house. I'm not happy with just my kids going to college. What happens when you start believing that God has more for your family? And the other lie is security. That God will not provide. Your risks, oftentimes including mine, are based on what I know I can accomplish. You see, where our human power stops is actually where God's power begins. Do you know that? Where our human power stops is actually where God's power begins. Faith. We only believe in faith, by faith that is given by God in Jesus Christ. There's a saying, I want Mark to put this up here, a little quote that I read this week that just blew my mind. Got that the calm seas one? Put it up there. Calm seas will never make us into skilled sailors. Nor can we discover new oceans unless we have the courage to lose sight of the shore. Do you realize that when you are going through difficulties, 
that what God is trying to do in a life where the enemy is throwing struggles and temptations at you, He's trying to make you strong and powerful and skilled. And too many of us just kind of want to sit in the bleachers. And He's saying, no, that's all you're going to experience. But if you go out into the waters and get lost with Me, I will show you how to sail and experience all that God has for you. I believe the book of James that we were birthed in this area for greater things than anything else on the face of this earth. God has blessed us with with so many things. Education, knowledge, wisdom, wealth. Whether you think you're poor, that's not true. That's not true. You are the richest people in the world. God has planted us in this area. Maybe we've been bad with our finances. And we can all be guilty of that. But God has put us in a place that we can do huge kingdom stuff. In the workplace. In the neighborhoods. In the governments. And around the world. Why? To bring glory and honor and praise to God. Faith-filled risks. We love the little things that God gives us, but there has to be a point in our lives because I truly believe that that, that God responds to our prayers. And He knows our hearts. I want to go through a list with you. Turn back with me to to Hebrews chapter 11. I love this. I love this. I'm going to get a little fired up, so just get ready for me, okay? It's going to prepare you. No one walk out. This is called the Hall of Faith. And you know what I was thinking today? When you think about the Hall of Fame in baseball and football and all these different sports, these people did it through their human God-gifted giftedness. Great athletes. They were made different. I ain't no Michael Jordan. I ain't no Peyton Manning. I was a good athlete. I was recognized as a good athlete. But I was no Jordan. I was no Peyton Manning. And when you look at the hall of faith, every one of these individuals that God had used to shape this world were people who were limited. Were limited. They had something. Whether it be in their baggage, being a prostitute, or whether they had a speech impairment. Let's go through it. By faith, it was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. In the midst of a world that said, there is no God, there was one family. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land, that God would give him as his inheritance. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren and was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. Mother's Day, it was two years ago, Mother's Day. We had a woman in our church who was struggling having a kid. Miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage. She came forward for prayer on that morning. We prayed over her. Nine months later, that woman had a baby. By faith. Amen? 
Amen. Doesn't that sound kind of freaky to pray for on Mother's Day? What better time to pray when this woman was struggling and, and, and hurting, just like Sarah, by faith. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Imagine that. The one son, the promised son, that, that God had said, this is the lineage. And then God says, hey, remember that promise I made you? Let's put that child on an on a, on a, on a altar. And he's actually not a child. He's probably 22 years old. Convince him to land there while you stab him. Really, he was about 22 years old. God tested him. And Abraham did not kill his son. God provided a, a sheep. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him from th- for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. I was thinking this. Do you know the difference between Moses and the other Moses' parents and the other parents? Moses' parents recognized that their child was a gift. Moses was no different than any other kid in that nursery or in that kids' program or you and I. But their, his parents saw the beauty of this child. That this child is not going to be put to death. Matter of fact, God, we're going to speak this into this child's life. God is going to use this child for something unique and beautiful and powerful. And God is going to not only rescue him, but he's going to wrestle, rescue the people of Israel. It was by faith that the people of Israel, I'm sorry, it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right to the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. Why do we worship? Do you know what they did when they walked around Jericho? They blew trumpets. It's like being in New Orleans. They were playing the New Orleans jam and they were going around Jericho and God said, I'm going to mock these people by using song to tear down their walls. Right? What's one of the greatest things when you're listening to a radio and something powerful comes on? What does it hit you? It hits you in the heart. We don't worship to sing because we have to. We worship because the moment that we step in here and we start singing, God is breaking through the walls of your heart. Amen? Seriously. God is breaking down your wall. He's softening you. He's doing something so when the Word is preached that you're ready to hear it. It was by faith, this is my hero of the Bible, that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God. God used a whore. Yes, He used a whore to be a tool of God. By faith, Rahab believed that her life was not dirty anymore. That her life was not going to be defined by, by having to get money because of sex. She was not going to be defined by that anymore. She was someone who was so powerful that God had done that she said, I am not going to let my past define me anymore. You ever notice that? That when God uses someone whose life was just hell, it's usually overly powerful because there comes a moment that they see things that sometimes we don't see about ourselves. The depths of the love that Jesus has for us.
And then the whole chapter wraps up in verse 39 by saying this, all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised, for God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. You see, they had moments where the Holy Spirit was on them. They had moments when God's presence was with them. They had moments when God would kind of whisper, hey Moses, cross the, cross the water. Hey Moses, strike the rock. We, because of the Holy Spirit, because of God's presence, are allowed to have God's presence with us 24-7, all day long, all the time. Let's go to Isaiah 43. Rob is going Bible crazy today. It says here in Isaiah 43, For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Do you see that when you are part of a community that believes in the power of the Holy Spirit, that God is giving you something new? New eyes, a new heart, a new dream, a new truth, a new promise. That in that, that we're just not handing you something. God is saying, I've already given it to you. All they're doing is that they're, they're reminding you that it's right there. Do you know that? God is up to something new. Why am I rolling up my sleeves? Because I'm about to close. Let me share you a little story from Friday. Friday was a bizarre day in my life. My day started, my day started with my washing machine flooding me with over 200 gallons of water. Woo! But my day ended by this. I love watching my kids. I never knew how great it was going to be to be a parent until I saw my kids. I hate hurting with them, but I love the opportunity to have pain with them. My kids are athletic. And my son and his team were supposed to go like 0 and 400 for their basketball season. They ended up 14 and 4. God has put a coach in their life that loves these kids, a godly man. And it was the last game of the season against their rivals. And they walked out onto this basketball court, and I'm like, oh, shoot. Something's not right. And they played this game and they were playing safe. And, and my son, Ben, I don't think he's here. Is he here? He's not here? Let me just tell you, he's a stud. <laughs> I go to games and literally teams from throughout New Jersey come and ask if he could play on their team. I'm humbled. His athletic ability, all my kids' athletic ability, Ben, Brandon, all of them, exceed me far, far amazingly. And I saw Ben... And this dude who's usually around the back, whatever way he goes, literally, would pull up and stop and pull back. He was intimidated. That punk was intimidated. I'm like, what is he doing? She's like, calm down, Rob. He'll be okay. But the whole team was like this. And we went into halftime and we were down by three. Now, Dad, you're not allowed to do this, what I did, but I am. Not because I'm a pastor. But because I've coached these kids throughout the season, the coach was going through some difficulties. He said, Rob, can you step in? I knew they had a big game coming up, so I said, let's work on some things. So I was kind of like the honorarium, honorary coach. So I told Sue, I said, I'm going in at halftime. She's like, no, you're not. I said, oh, yes, I am. And one of the dads goes, go in, go get him. I'm like, ah. 
You know, I'm like, I was wearing a red shirt and my shirt was even more red. And I went into that locker room for one reason. They didn't see the potential and power that God gave them. All their gifts, all their talents were being put on the shelves because of fear. And I walked in there, I said, Ben, I need two minutes. That's the coach's name. He's like, I'm like, you go first. He goes, no, you go first. And I went in there and I gave them a Rocky Balboa speech. I gave them a speech from Rudy. I gave them a speech I didn't even know. I told the the Korean exchange student that he needed to play for the U.S. in the school that he's in. And I went nuts. And I was telling Ben, I took my son. Kyle, get up here. I took my son. Get up here. Come on, hurry up. Or you're getting a spanking. Let's go. I took my son up here. And it's all in love. And I took him. I said, stop playing like a wimp. I said, you need to grow up. And you need to get out there and show them what you're made of. And all the kids are like, woo! They're all cheering. I said, seriously, you have more gift and talent than you'll ever know. Go out there. This is it. This is eighth grade. This is your last game of your season. This is all you're going to remember. And you, Braden, you're six foot four, and you better grab every rebound because you're strong and you're tough and stop playing like a baby. And then I said, Andre, one more technical, you're out. I'm not even the coach. I'm going crazy. You can grab a seat. Good game. But in this, in this, I spoke in that moment faith that they didn't have in their life. They were chanting. They were going crazy. The coach was doubled over cracking up at me. I'm apologizing. Sorry, man, I stole your job. But they went out there, and that was the best half of basketball they ever played. Why? Because someone needed to speak faith in Christ into them that they were created for more, that they don't have to live a mediocre life, that if they lose this game, it's okay. When you lose, you give, the pow- you give Satan power. When you choose to sit back and just be nominal, you allow the enemy to define who you are. But when you choose, when you choose that yes, I may have a stuttering, yes, I may have a disability, yes, I may not be as fortunate, yes, I may not be as talented, but what you say is, yes, but I am a child of the most God high. Yes, He created me for greater purposes. Yes, He created me for everything that He already planned and willed to do. All you have to do is every day show up. Amen. Seriously. I'm not playing. There has to be a day. If you're a visitor, you're never coming back. (laughs) We're not even doing communion. We're just closing. There has to be a day that you embrace this. Jesus paid it all. And all to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. And Jesus, you washed me white as snow. They won. They won. <laughs> they won. I was fighting back the tears. Team got a standing ovation. It was something that I will remember for the rest of my life. And the Holy Spirit, when you are in a place, is trying to shout at you. Step up. Stand up. 
pull your shoulders back and let me do the work. Calm seas never allow you to be a crafted sailor. With your marriage, with your parenting, with your neighborhood, with your vocation, with your finances, you guys got to stop being so consumed with money. Seriously, I have to stop being so consumed with money. I have to stop being so consumed and you have to stop being consumed about promotion. God's got it all. He's got it all. He's got it all. Stop worrying what's going to happen with your kids. Start praying for your children. Start praying. I love you. In my role at this point in my life, to cheer you on. What would happen if each one of us every day stepped out in faith and began to allow God to see, show us what He wants us to see that He can do and has already done? There is a Moses in here. There is an Abraham. There is an Isaac. There is an Enoch. There's a Sarah. There's a Rahab. Let's start being the people and family of God. Amen? Amen.